Hey everyone, it's Sam. You may notice during this episode it sounds a little different because Angelina and I couldn't be in the same place at the same time to discuss the episode and we forgot to mention that during the episode. But it does uh, it sounds a little different, but we definitely wanted to get this episode out because it's the season finale of season 1. A very cool episode, and we also know a lot of folks are checking in regularly each week for new episodes, which we really appreciate, and we didn't want you to be empty-handed when you checked in this week. So, like I say, it's a little bit of different setup for us, and we will be back to normal next week as we kick off Season 2 of Star Trek Voyager. And then also, uh, there's a special little surprise in this episode that you'll find out about in a moment. So... Thanks a lot for tuning in and enjoy. When are you going to stop talking at me? And cheese is like the culprit. To the gravity by 10%. My where for best episode of season one. Welcome to a special episode of Displaced in Space, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. I'm Angelina. And I'm Sam. And today, not only are we discussing this week's episode, Learning Curve, but we're also going to be handing out some Season 1 awards. So hopefully you stick around for that at the end. Uh, But for now, we will be talking about Learning Curve. It's Season 1, Episode 16. It was written by Ronald Wilkerson and Jean-Louise Mathias. And directed by David Livingston. It first aired May 22nd, 1995 to 6.1 million homes. IMDb says that this is the one where Tuvok's attempt to train Maquis crew members in Starfleet protocol leads to mutiny, while Balana and the Doctor try to discover why the ship is mysteriously losing power. I say this is the one where Neelix almost kills the entire crew of Voyager in order to make some cheese. Before we start this episode, I think we're going to have to contain ourselves a little bit. Um, We try not to indulge too much in teacher talk, but... um, This brought up a lot of teacher things. Yeah, and if you haven't listened to the other uh, 15 episodes or whatever, where we probably mentioned it at least five times... Uh, Angelina and I An both episode. are teachers. Yeah. Um, we're both teachers, and so uh, um, this episode definitely... Um, we felt it yes. in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways. Yeah. So we are going to try to contain ourselves. Yes. yes. <laughs> and uh, how does this episode start off? Not um, in the teacher setting. It does not. Well, it kind of actually it That's does. Um, it, Sam was right. Um, they are going to keep this whole Jane Eyre style governess thing. She is Miss Davenport. Captain, um, Captain Janeway is... In Ms. the holodeck. Davin- in the holodeck, yeah. Yes, okay. she's in the holodeck, um, and she's being Miss Davenport, which is essentially she's reliving Jane Eyre, um, complete with a dead mom who is not dead. 
to the two kids. Um, it's pretty typical. I will say this. One thing I will say about it is that a governess is from the old time, those, that olden time with all those books and stuff. A governess is not a tutor. A tu- they brought in teachers. They brought in tutors and they brought in a governess. A governess was a nanny. A tutor actually teaches kid the kids like a teacher did. But in this one, they just combine them. So she's supposed to also be teaching the kids, but that's incorrect as far as um, that time period goes. That's how it is with all jobs. Eventually, you you just just start to combine tasks and pretty soon the governess is doing everything. Exactly. So uh, she meets the two kids and they're creepy and they're very children of the corn. And the little girl, Beatrice, is very upset because she's insisting that her mother is alive and the little boy who's also creepy is telling her that she is incorrect and they get both angry and then they disappear and it seems like it should be part of the whole thing but it's actually not um, apparently there was a disruption in power grid 4 and Chakotay says that there's gonna, there's power fluctuations happening on deck 6 which actually leads into what's actually you know um, going to be happening in the in the whole story plot of the story yeah. yeah yeah I was a little disappointed that that had that their children's disappearance had to do with the description of power on the ship because I guess so far is the second time we've seen this governess thing mm-hmm. and I guess so far I'm not interested so that would have been interesting <laughs> yes but then it wasn't no <laughs> and um, yeah so now we uh, we follow Tuvok in one of the corridors on Voyager and he comes upon uh, an open wall, basically, and finds that crewman Dolby is working inside the inside the wall, doing something in there. And Tuvok knows that uh, Lieutenant Torres didn't know about this work or didn't um, approve of any work in that section. And Dolby's just like, well, hey, uh, I come from the Maquis ship. So he's a Maquis guy, Maquis crew member. And he's like, when we saw something that needed fixing, we just fixed it. And two of us like, well, nice job, a-hole. You just like knocked out power to have the ship or whatever. And uh, Dolby gets very just upset at that. And he's like... Um, Again, I relate to Dolby. When I see something, uh, I fix it. When you see something, you fix it. And then you move on. But we just saw the consequences of doing that. <laughs> you can't do that on a Starfleet ship. No, you can't. And Tuvok says, yeah. Um, and and Tuvok's like, well, this isn't a Maquis ship. And Dolby's like, don't I know it? And uh, he gets very like insubordinate and he just storms yes. off. And Tuvok's like... He told him to leave him alone. Yeah. You cannot talk to Tuvok like that. Lieutenant Tuvok, I don't care if you're monkey or not. You just and don't do that. He up like so oh, quick. Oh, so angry. He went from he went from like three yeah. to ten in like a moment. Yeah, it went from like slight misunderstanding to yeah. you're attacking my very nature as a human. Yes, yeah. it's so bad. Yeah. Ooh, so that's going to have to get dealt with. Uh, they, they give us the theme music and we come back and then we are with Janeway, Tuvok and Chakotay I want to say in her ready room and Janeway's ready room I think so and they're talking about the gel packs now here's the thing about the bioneural circuitry first of all kudos to them this is the second plot point that they, they've kind of um, used yeah, um, been gonna, a part of they're going to make me eat my words from the first episode <laughs> every, 
can make me feel like crap every episode. But also, I feel like it's a little like people who got like the electric cars and then found out that there's not enough like electric stations for them um, because these seem like a wonderful thing, like very reliable, impossible to damage, except when they start malfunctioning and you only have 47 of them. Yeah. And you're like, holy crap. Right. We cannot be having these new, this new technology malfunctioning already when we have 70 years to go. Yeah, like, that's true. That electric car mm-hmm. analogy is perfect. Yeah, it's like, this would have been fine. I'm sure all the starships in the Alpha Quadrant are flying around and getting new gel packs at, at the space station or at the star bases. Everything's <laughs> fine. Them, but yeah, yeah Voyager, you're, you're screwed. You have 47. And half of their, half they run half of the um, critical half. systems on this ship. Yeah. And it's like, ooh, and they can't replicate new ones. And you're like, ooh. So they're going to, tr- the final, they are going to switch to isolinear circuits, so which is good. So that's going to help alleviate this problem. Because if you only have 47, that is a problem. Um, so they discuss it. Then they're gonna move to insul- in um what is it um isolinear yeah oh, isolinear circuitry and then Tuvik would like to b- discuss a new problem Crewman Dolby who lost control of him and is extremely angry and very insubordinate and then um she's like oh I've heard his name before and like the last time she heard it he was um trying to like he was trying to mess with the system in order to give him his friend oh, yeah. more ration right. more ration <laughs> and you're like uh, just like a monkey <laughs> I know. I think we've talked about this before, but I don't know how the Maquis ever did anything. got off the ground. Yeah, because they, yeah. everything they, they yeah, it's like we're rebels against society, but it's like well, we're rebels against like all logic. <laughs> well, I mean, they have store. They have reason to be um, rebellious, inefficient, uh, inefficient, like terrible. Inefficient. No, but um, because you just you're a rebel group, you take whoever you can get, like. That's true. The one thing I want to add is, the is that the he Dolbys is of the, world. the Dolbys of the world, yes. Um, and he missed three out of ten yes, duty ships. That's my three favorite. Three out of ten duty you ships. Imagine not showing up to work uh, 30% of the time. But I do think it's a morale thing because I've noticed, too, when a principal is not as great uh, in a school – um, people don't feel bad about taking their days off and you have a ton of uh, subs or you have no subs. And so you have a bunch of kids in your classroom and it all goes back to morale. So like if the, if your leadership is good or everyone's happy, um, and content, no one takes days off. The minute everything gets hard and like your principal isn't, you know, the, the administration isn't acting the way that you want them to act, people start taking all kinds of vacation days. They do not care. And we, you end up with like uh, just a ton. You end up with no PE because the PE teacher has to go and like cover everybody's classroom. Yeah. But they do so. end up, and they do end up kind of solving this problem because. Uh, because how dare you besmirch Captain Jamie's leadership <laughs> skills? And it turns out that that's not you know the direction that they kind of go in to solve the problem, right? Right. Jamie's not like, well, I need to be better because no, to appease no. the Maquis would be like, well, we have to do everything crappier, and occasionally you get to steal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're yeah, like, no, okay, we're happy now, but they end up yeah. finding some 
uh, uh, a happy medium. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, um, Chakotay mentions that he's uh, Dolby's aggressive and frustrated, and they're but the the problem, the ultimately the problem is, is they're not used to Starfleet protocol and procedures. Mm. Um, and um. Tuvok talks about attitude, but then Janeway says this, and I'm like, this is what I've been saying since the beginning. She says, it's not fair to expect Starfleet to behave um, or the Maquis to behave the, yeah, like Starfleet, Starfleet officers, officers when they have not when have not gone through the academy, and they don't know even why they're doing it. Right. I would say that I, I think we've had a, like, a big issue about that coming out of Caretaker and Never having seen that conversation, we talked about it a lot at the beginning of this of this series. Um, not having seen that conversation between Janeway and Chakotay, because it'd probably be incredibly boring television. But yeah. it's also fascinating in a way that, like, how did they hash that out? What was going to happen mm-hmm. when you integrated the Maquis into the Starfleet ship and started doing things the Starfleet way? And um, and that's just another thing of like, I guess. I assumed up until we saw this episode that behind the scenes they were getting, they were working on it. Yeah. yeah, they were they were attending training trainings yeah. and things like that. <laughs> and it turns out they weren't. They're they like, weren't. you see how that guy over there is doing it? Behave doing like, like that. that. Yeah. yeah, you just be like Harry Kim, <laughs> minus the gossip, and you'll be a model Starfleet officer. So, so yeah, apparently we're dealing with this now. But they've got a lot on their plate, so you can't really blame them for. No. You know, there's there's some oh some things some some things that they overlooked. Yeah, exactly. So the answer is Starfleet boot camp, <laughs> and who's gonna <laughs> who's gonna do it? Tuvok. Yeah, he's done this. He's done. He taught for 16 years at the academy, and the reason why Chakotay is not doing it is because guess what? Chakotay doesn't need to earn their respect at this moment. Yeah, and then Chakotay ends with. I'll tell them to take it easy on you. And you're like, oh my God, too. That means Chicote. Yeah. There is a little, as much as you can sense trepidation in a Vulcan, you see yeah. it in him mm-hmm. as the scene ends. Yeah. It, but it's, or it's almost like, I wish it hadn't gone this way. Yeah, I, I, I didn't want this. It was better. Yeah. Chicote should have done it. Right. It, but, but it was almost like it made more sense for Chicote to do it. I never understand. <laughs> Janeway's human decision making, you know, kind of a thing. Not like I'm afraid of what's about to happen, yeah. Because he'll he'll smack them all down, and that's what he immediately starts to do. Oh. We've got um, four of these uh, Maquis crew members lined up in the uh, cargo bay. That's where Tuvok's going to carry out his his uh, crash course in mm-hmm. Starfleet training, and. As soon as he starts to introduce himself and what this is all about, saying that these four were handpicked by Chicote, basically, right? Yes. Because of, you know, issues that need to be shored up. Uh, there's a Bolian, the, the blue bald-headed alien species, who immediately interrupts, right? Mm-hmm. And his name is Chell, I think? Yes. Yeah, and he he's like, well, why am I here? I don't understand. I'm not a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, completely and, acting like a problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Tuvok's like, well, you just interrupted me, so uh, I, think, I think we see why you're here. I'm like one of my that also one of my students. So many of my students talkative, disruptive. Exactly. You try to argue with you back and forth, yeah. and you're like, oh, yeah, don't oh, hijack yeah. my classroom. <laughs> yeah, and I. There's a lot of times when I feel like Tuvok in this episode, um, you know, as a teacher, but even 
even in the end of the episode. Like, yeah. Because there's a moral of the story, of course, without yeah. giving it away, mm-hmm. but, like, every step of the way, it's hard not to feel like Tuvok because of, like, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. like, you see, like, I don't have it happen so much in my class with my students too much, but outside of the class, like, when you're just walking the hallways, making sure students are moving from one class to the other, you get these students who just, like, they talk back. And you're engaging with them, but then pretty soon you're like, why am I having this conversation with you? You, you just need to be to doing be what you're expected to do. Yeah, and that's kind of uh-huh. Tuvok in this case, because then he, like, drops the hammer. The bully and tries to defend himself. Chell. Like, mm-hmm. this is, yeah, I should call him by his name. Chell uh, tries to defend himself, and Tuvok's like, 40 laps. That's just it. go. Yeah, yeah, just go. And that's kind of how it is, again, like with the teaching. It's like, like your consequences. If you keep talking, yeah. I told you not to talk. You're supposed to work on your essay. Right. You keep talking, there's got to be consequences. Yeah, like, or in the hallway, it's just like, mm-hmm. go to the office. Yeah. Like, right in the middle of the sentence, just go to the office. Like, I'm not trying to hear what you're saying, you know? And that's how Tuvok handled it, which, again, we'll get into, like, is that the best way to do it? Maybe, maybe not. But yeah, exactly. that's what happens sometimes. <laughs> and so, um, so... The the chill, it's 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 pretty funny uh shot of Tuvok continues to talk to the other crew members and Chell is just making his laugh so every once in a while he runs into Past. the frame, yeah, and, and just keeps going around the cargo bay. Yeah. And um who is it? Uh, oh then then Tuvok notices there's a young crewman who's he ends up being named Garen, right? Yeah, and he's, he's a Bajoran. Young Bajoran. Yeah. And you said Oh, uh, when I saw him, he wouldn't look at Tuvok, he wouldn't respond to Tuvok, and I work in a very like a a very specific cultured um group community community, and that's their response Mm -hmm. they will never look at you in the eye they will never talk to you they will just sit there and wait for you to disappear Mm -hmm. like when are you going to stop talking at me so that i can just disappear he was like all of my quietly defiant students yeah like all of them right yeah yeah Yeah. he was like he really was the picture of it and so my heart was like jump on him yeah and dolby's not having it and immediately you see that dolby is very protective of this Garen, yeah. and basically this whole thing falls apart this whole little orientation mm-hmm. falls apart dolby's like hey man like you know we've, we're just doing our best out here if our best isn't good enough then you know i guess i guess that's just the way it is but we don't have anything to learn from you and they're long. they're even insulted that they're there yeah, yeah exactly and then they just bounce yeah. And Tuvok is like, he's probably never seen anything like that. And that, again, going to the teacher thing, is what you have, like, nightmares about. Yeah. It's just sudden what mutiny happens? where they all leave. Like, yeah. I still remember <laughs> my... They do whatever they want to do, and and then you have a class of okay. chaos. What do you do? And what do you do? real fear. When they, like, decide that the social contract isn't mm-hmm. worth it. And you're like, ah, I still remember, um, I know I don't, we said we we're going to get hijacked, but this totally reminded me of the summer camp. I worked at the summer camp when I was getting my credential, and it was me and a little science boy, and uh, we were we were with the camp, and we had sixth graders, and I, and I would never handle like, this the situation. Science, the science boy, you mean, is like a, an assistant was like, kind of? Yeah, like he a, was like 19. Right. And, um, and I will never, I would never do it now, but I didn't know what I was doing then. And it was like brand new. Everything was brand new. And so I, uh, the kids were acting up. So I told all of them, I was like, everyone put your head down. And they all put their head down and we moved on. And then afterwards he like looked at me and he was like, how did you know that was going to work? And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he was like, that they were all just going to put their heads down. And I was like, it didn't even cross yeah. my mind 
that they yeah. wouldn't. But then after that, like the fear, like what happens if I had said that and they didn't put mm-hmm. their head down? Like, yeah, oh. you lost. Because they were 12. Them. They were 12, right. you know, like they right. could have not put their head down, you know. Oh. Well, kind of the opposite of that the other day. I was feeling myself and we brought up the word mutiny. <laughs> and the, the word mutiny just came up and a lot of the students didn't know what it was. And I was like, almost like, I'm not tempting them to mutiny, but I was just like, a oh, mutiny would be like, if I'm the captain of this ship that's our classroom, and you guys were just like, we're not going to do what you told us to do. And I felt, as I was saying it, I was like, what am I doing? Yeah, like, don't let, don't give them the idea of a mutiny right now. But I, I guess I was feeling so confident in the moment. I was like, yeah, they're not going to do it. You know, but it's like I was just almost inviting them to do it as I look back. But, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, the two Maquis, they didn't yeah, have to because, be told what a mutiny was because they're the Maquis and they pretty much already tried it two times. Yeah, but if they walked out, like he was like, I order you to come back. Yeah. And it's like, they're walking out. Mm-hmm. Don't even say that. Nothing. Don't even say that. You got nothing. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing when you don't. When they don't respect your. Um, authority? Well, the authority, but like when they don't believe. In the you're system. going to do what you say you're going to do because yeah. well, it gets into it in this next scene. So we'll let you talk about that. What what they decide, you know, why they decided they walked out like that. Yeah. So they're talking about possible consequences, and the problem was, and it's so funny because even though they did mutiny, like Dobby's like, "Well, we didn't mutiny or anything," and you're like, "That you did the very definition of mutiny." Yeah. Like I don't understand. You did not follow orders, and you, you did what you wanted. Yeah. And they're like, "Well, what are they going to do?" And that was the whole thing. Like. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? We're all strapped. They're all desperate. Right. Like, are they really going to put us in the brig? We're just going to quietly do our work and nothing's going to happen mm-hmm. to us. And I mean, that's the problem. Like, if you don't have proper, like, um, positive or negative consequences, then your kids are like, your students or whoever is just like, well, I don't have to follow any right. of this. Like, what are you going to do to me? Right. Like, but I will say that, that that's come up a few times now, the idea of locking someone in the brig for 75 years because that's the duration of this trip back to the Alpha Quadrant. But why, it wouldn't have to be 75 years. And yeah, it would be like deplete your resources to detain someone for any amount of time, but a suspension could hurt, you know, yeah. and you're sitting in there for six months. Yeah. You might, you'd only have to, I think you'd only have to do it once. Yeah. If, if, if someone's, and then, you know, now that, that, uh, affects the entire tenor of the voyage because so we've fair. got someone locked in the rig all the time. Oh, let's go to so-and-so's birthday party. And you know, while you're having a good time in the mess hall, someone's locked in the brig. Yeah. <laughs> every single day, there's some guy over there locked in the brig. But again, you only have to do it once probably. And, you know, and then people would get over it after a while. So they keep bringing up, they can't lock us up for 75 years. No, but you don't deserve to be locked up for 75 years, but you probably deserve to be locked up for six months or three months or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyways, my favorite thing that happens in this entire episode happens. Chicote comes in like as smooth as butter. And even he turns his chair around so he can sit backwards on it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, then, he, grabs, he, he grabs a drink. Yeah, he grabs, he grabs a like drink. He grabs like a coffee or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then he sits down like the way Riker did, used to do it. Uh-huh. And, um, and he was like, uh, I want to hear your side of the story. And so it, Dolby's like, we're, you know, we're going to live up to our responsibilities, but we shouldn't have to do this. We're not teenager cadets. We're not trying to be in Starfleet. And, um, then, um, he's like, um, 
<laughs> um, you know, we we play by a different rule book. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. And then Jacoba's like, "Oh, you want to do it? How the Marquis did it?" And then he just punches it right in the face. And I was like, "Oh my God, Jacoba! I don't believe in violence, but I was like, oh, I'm all flustered." Well, because it was this sort of a point because yeah. like, because yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, you shouldn't go around punching people in the mm-hmm. face, but um. I almost made a, a reference to Will Smith that's going to be incredibly dated oh, in no. five years. No. <laughs> or three months from the time we post this. But anyway, um, no, but yeah, you can't do that. But the thing was, Chikoti was kind of showing in a very dramatic way for uh, viewers of UPN television in the mid-90s. But yes. That, like, you're the Maquis. You want, you want you all want the benefits of being a Maquis. You want to just... Have do what you want. And do whatever you want and fix what you want and come to work 70% of the time. But you forget this part of it too. And yeah. You, you know, and, and it's brutal and it's, and it's bad and it's harsh. And yeah. And that side of it too. So, no, you're not, you don't want it the Marquis way. You're being a brat. Yeah, you're being a brat. Yeah. That's what he is. And he's like, and he's like, I'll do it. The, we'll do the Marquis way to tomorrow or the next day or every day until you finally go and work with, uh, to Lieutenant Tuvok. And he's like, anyone has a problem with that? And then he walks away. Well, he, like, like, he finishes oh. his drink and, oh, he, and he, like, yeah. wipes his mouth, like, uh, like done. A, <laughs> yeah. And then they, like, and then, but he also picked up Dolby. So he punches Dolby's lights out. Yeah. Dolby lands on the ground and then Chicote picks him up, sets him in the chair, like completely big dogging him at that point, uh, slaps yeah. his face a little bit to like wake yeah. him up. Oh man. That it was, was fantastic. I mean, I also do not condone violence, <laughs> but, uh, but I would like to live in a fake world. <laughs> You could punch a guy in the face and whatever. Just Dude, like Only that. if you could be that cool about it. Though. Yeah, that only cool. Only Chicote gets to. Yeah, because he's amazing. Yeah. They're back in order. Now it's almost like a mirror of the original uh, Tuvok's introduction to the Crash Course. Now they're lined up. They're lined up the way they should be. No one's back talking. But now Tuvok's checking their um, attire, right? Mm-hmm. Making sure that they're they're up to what were the uniform protocols? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the dress code. And um, there's a there's a young female crew member. Her name is Henley. Yes. And she has a headband that you can't wear. Mm-hmm. That's against regulation. So that's got to go. Chell is rocking a little necklace for some reason. He's very impressed with it, but Tuvok is not. <laughs> um, Garen, as I said before, he's a Bajoran, and Tuvok informs him or reminds him that you can't wear his earring. Which but I don't agree one, with. I don't agree with either because, I mean, we could go, we could have a whole podcast about this, but yeah, the idea of like religious tolerance or religious expression. Yes. On like, a, and, and yeah, and. Like you would never ever expect, um, like to a Muslim to take off their hijab or any, or any or a yeah, Christian to not wear a cross, a cross like yeah, anything yeah. like that. You you just wouldn't bring it up. But no. this is where Starfleet sort of gets like the the military comparisons are versus it being like a scientific Ex- exploration vessel, yeah. and that, and that's always like a sort of a fascinating thing with Star Trek is that it 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 rides those two lines sort of where. It's they're scientific and they're very open minded and they're explorers and you you think that they have like these very like progressive ideals or whatever right yeah so ultimately going for like peaceful coexistence among the races 
But then there's also a military outfit, and we're seeing a lot of that right here, you know, with the way that Tuvok is trying to get these people in line in a very military way, and we'll see more of that later with what Chell has to do. do. Yeah. And it's almost like how, it's like a dichotomy. How do they, how do they square those two things, you know? And so it's like, we want, um, we, we want to tolerate religion throughout the galaxy, but you can't actually express yourself religiously on this ship yeah. that's exploring the galaxy. It's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. But I think, it, you know, also it's just another thing for Tuvok to nitpick, sort of, to prove the point of what they're going for yes. in this episode. Uh, Dolby, he checks out at least. Yeah. Uh, his, his uniform is good. But um, they're all, you know, now they're, they're kind of a little more demoralized, actually, mm -hmm. now. Than they were before because yeah. he's just taking all their their cool stuff, mm. and then they'll find out their next steps and they have to meet again at nineteen hundred. So he's he's not um, forthcoming with what's going to be happening. He has all the the power in this relationship, mm -hmm. which yeah. is again is another thing that we talk about when you're especially in like a teaching setting or a mentor mentee setting is like how much power. Do you cede to the student or, mm -hmm. you know, the learner versus, uh, you know, how, how in the, into the, um, process do you make them privy to, you know, what part of yeah. the process do you make them privy to? What do they need to know to facilitate their learning better? And there are things that they need to know. You can't do what Tuvok just did as he'll find out. Yeah. You can't just keep people in the dark. They don't, they just as people, they don't appreciate it, and it's not an effective way to teach people no. anything. No, 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 no. It's not. Um, so then we end up um, with Dolby and Torres in the engineering, and they're trying to figure out the bio, the biopacks, the failure that's happening. And um, Dolby's talking about how, like, he's talking about, like, the whole boot camp with uh, Tuvok and how it's not productive and blah, 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 blah. And Taurus is like, oh, you're just afraid that you're not going to make it, which I think is funny because it's actually her issue and was always her issue oh. with Starfleet was that, but I don't really think it's Dolby's, but... Um, is she, like, projecting? Kind yeah, of? she's projecting, like, you're, you're pretending all of this stuff because you're afraid you're not going to make it. And he's like, you don't think I can handle it? You don't think you can handle it? And she's like, well, then, like, prove me then wrong. Yeah, yeah like, I See, I just I appreciated it from that aspect of it. Like, <laughs> I I like your your take on it though. Yeah, it's really her telling herself that. You know, yeah. every single day is probably a struggle for her to not go back to her maquis self and start punching people in the nose in engineering. When really, yeah, it, you know. So she's telling Dolby, if you think you can do it, then do it. And do know, it. Yeah, that's so what she's telling herself. Yeah. But yeah, I exactly. like her stance. It's like, yeah. well, then don't tell me about it. Just do it. Yeah, just do it. Stop. Like, Stop worrying about it. And then Which, again, it's like, is he a maquis or is he a brat? <laughs> so then there's another, they get cut short because of a power failure and deck four, <laughs> section 9C. Again, there's more malfunctions in the bioneural circuitry and there, he has to go replace it and then do a systems check on it. Yeah. And then Belana decides to take the, um, the biopack, bio Bio, the, the gel pack, the gel pack yeah. to sick bay. Yeah, and they're in sick bay. Uh, it's the doctor and Kess, and the doctor. Uh, he's so the the gel pack. It is sitting under this 
um, like a sensor sort of a kind of like you would go to get like uh, MRI. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly. It, but it's just this little inanimate object sitting there, <laughs> and then the doctor he, he's treating it like a patient. It's really funny. Yeah. We won't do it justice. He is so funny. It, but yeah, he's yeah. like, well, Torres is like, what's what's the matter with it? And the doctor's like, I can't reveal the patient's medical <laughs> status here. It's a, it's a matter of privacy. And um, but basically he. Uh, and then he talks about how, like, you know, he's he's been asked to, like, refine his uh, bedside manner. <laughs> so that's who he's practicing on this gel pack right now. But what he, what he determines is that the biological component of the gel packs, the bio and the bioneural circuitry, I guess, has an infection, which is pretty cool. I think that's a pretty cool idea for what, the show. What's worse is the contagious infection, mm-hmm. which makes yeah. it worse. Yeah, and it's not going to hurt people, so the stakes aren't that, like, it's going to kill the whole crew, but it could shut down the whole ship, which is just as bad, you know? Exactly. And so the, any of the infected packs have to be quarantined, just like you would a patient, uh, a, a living patient. And so Torres is going to go figure out, you know, which ones to take offline, and she'll let the captain know. Oh, they also need to find the source. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where is the infection coming from? Why all of a sudden now? Yes. Um. So then we end up with Tuvok and the four cadets, and they have to go with to on a run with heavy packs on. Um. They have to go through the Jeffries tube, <laughs> and they have to go the long way around. Uh. We have to go through fifty Jeffries tube to get to deck thirteen. And then um, cue the Rocky type music, exactly. and they're like running, and they're running, and they're running, and then um, it's just a montage of them running, climbing up and down, running around yeah. a, a corridor, <laughs> climbing, climbing, running. Yeah, it is. And then when you get to it, it's has like, like, it's like a, it's Rocky like, it music. It's the first Star Trek montage, but it's got it to be among like, the. Yeah, I th- I feel like I can remember some from like Deep Space Nine, and it's always like getting the weapons ready, or you know. Preparing some piece of equipment, and, you know, all this, all this manual labor that goes into it. But yeah, this is it, it's the it's the funniest montage because it's just running around <laughs> and running. Yeah, and uh, they, it ends. The Rocky music ends, and they end. And you find out that on that deck, the, the deck that they're on, where they have to do more running after they get to the deck, he upped the gravity by ten percent. I'm like, yeah. was that necessary? That just feels like it's unnecessary and didn't need to happen. It almost feels like an asshole move on Tuvok's part. But that's what he's doing. Like, now that he's got them where he wants them, he's he does just keep, like, turning the heat up on And mixing it, like, yeah. And making it worse. And again, you can't do that. You can't do it, but it's, it's sometimes you, to, to when you're trying to prove a point, and I'll say it again, in the classroom, but yeah. it could apply to anywhere where, yeah, you, really. where you oversee people. Like When you're trying to prove a point, that that, that is always, well, I won't speak for everybody, but that, that thought has occurred to me too. Like, you know, oh, today was hard. Like, guess what? Tomorrow's going to be hard too because I don't think you guys learned your lesson. Kind of a thing, you know? Yeah. And it's not good. Like, no, you, you cannot like, do that. What was that? You can't do that. Yeah. No, it's not good. It's not going to help the kid. It's not going to help anybody. It no, but 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 it's like you've, you've got, you think. You have the doing, power. You, but you, you think yeah. you changed them in a way or you think that, yeah, you think that you're the one who's created this situation, but really it's just they're beaten down yeah, and yeah. demoralized and so you've got nothing to work no. with now you, and you've done it to yourself and that's what Tuvok's done I took yeah. away 
your ex- your your self expression your self expression yeah. now i've just um worn you out physically so yeah. what do you have left you know yeah yeah then um we talk to the power or we don't talk to but i would love to <laughs> no we see the power team right kim and torres are trying to figure out this uh gel pack thing trying to figure out where the infection could have come from so they're checking uh, transporter logs in the transporter room, <laughs> and it didn't pick up any strange readings because it's supposed to filter out bacteria and anything that could harm the crew before they transport anything. Mm-hmm. And Torres mentions that they did bring in a, a strange-looking food that Neelix wanted on a recent mission. Um, did she say that he wanted to make something in particular, or it was just some strange food that he insisted on? No, they just think bringing three on board. No, yeah. yeah. Oh, later on he mentions what somebody wanted to eat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then while they're talking, then we find out that, that Chell, the, the Bolian Maquis, is um, doing the Star Trek equivalent of basically cl- cleaning a floor with, with a toothbrush. Yeah, that's and what this I thought. This is what Tuvok's got him doing. Yeah, he's, he's down there on the transporter pad with a magnetron scanner uh, doing like a, like not even inch by inch, like millimeter by millimeter scan mm-hmm. of the pad. I guess in pursuit of of this infection or something, right? Or was he just making sure the pad was like up to snuff? I don't know. Uh, either way, Tuvok's got him doing it again. You didn't need big to. time, yeah, big time power move that is not necessary. Sorry. And right. chills down there, and he feels like crap, and he feels like a schmuck, and you know that's how Tuvok made him feel, basically. Yeah, Dude, that's Tuvok's thing. I'm gonna break you down to build to, you up. Yeah, but that but doesn't like work on everybody, no. and it shouldn't work on most people. Yeah, no, no, it doesn't. We go to the recreated Voyager Bridge and Holodeck mm. Simulation and um, Tuvok um, is he's like this is going to instill teamwork this is going to get everybody cohesive you know and understanding protocols and, and make us all stronger Voyager you know um, Starfleet officers um, and so they all are on the bridge D- Dolby is um, the head the leader because he's actually been I can't believe I don't know how or why <laughs> He's been in like leadership positions, and you're like, mm-hmm. "What do you do with the captain that shows up seventy percent of the time?" <laughs> and uh, it's pretty cute though because they're like recreating it, and like the Ferengi are there, and they are having trouble. And then Dolby's like, "Well, we are gonna do humanitarian aid to everyone," and you're like, "Look at you, yeah. Dolby! It's very cute." And that's like, at it's the very core of the Maquis. Yeah, you, you know, it's interesting because they're they're framed as like this tough group of you know gritty people with no rules but you do have to remember that their original intent was sort of a humanitarian mission or you know a mission to to get those people out of the demilitarized zone right that was being taken over by the The Cardassians that got left that got left the ones with the big hearts and Starfleet was the one who shunted those morals yeah. yeah Yeah, and uh, so they're going to do that, but then all of a sudden a Romulan came, Warbird came and decloaked, and they're red alert, and they're trying to do evasive maneuvers and all this stuff, and then the second Romulan ship comes, and they're like, well, we're just going to, you know, give it everything we can, they all die, and Tuvok <laughs> has to reset the program. 
And um, Dobby, like, in, in two box, like, what should you learn? And they're like, this was a no-win situation. Like, there's no way. We did what we could. And all of them were explaining how they did what they could, that there's nothing that they could have done. And then two box, like, you could have retreated. Yeah. And then he's like, the highest gain is sometimes is what the lowest cost. So you retreat when mm-hmm. you need to. It's a very Vulcan thing mm-hmm. to say. Yeah. yeah. You, 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 success is when you gain the most without, you know, losing the most. And retreat is often, often the best possible option. Now, here's the problem. And this is why the simulation should, I think, should never have happened. Because what happened was he just, he went too far mm-hmm. in the putting, pressuring of the, of the, of the students, of the, of the cadets. And, um, they're like, well, you know what? You proved it right once more. You're right. We're not, we're, we're not yeah, Starfleet material. And they were at their lowest point. The low, point. Like, yeah. yeah. They can see right now, like, we're never going to get to win. Like, we can't win. Yeah. yeah, you put us in a situation where we will never win. Literally, in this uh-huh. in this case, they did, yeah. But overall, and, like, he's not going to let them get away with any... They would ever leave with having any sense of pride. Yeah, and uh, this and this I do think is, like, because I feel like Tuvok is typically used to teaching being a professor in university. And being a professor in the university is 10 times different, a thousand times different than being a teacher in the K-12 system Mm -hmm. in the United States because for the very fact that um, they all want to be there. They all want to be there in, yeah. the, in the university. A lot of our kids don't want to be in our classrooms mm-hmm. and they don't see any worth and they don't see any value in mm-hmm. it. And they like all of these, all of these reasons, like they'll never, they're never going to go to college. They're never going to graduate. They're going to go do this. They're going to go do that. They're going to do all these other things because, you know, we've let them down as a society. And so you're trying to like encourage them. You're trying to build them up. You're trying to get them to see themselves as learners, as students, as people who can, you know, go to university if that's what they want to do. Like we keep all of their doors open. And so with that, you can never be that rigid. Like you no. can never be that rigid with those students. Like you just can't do it, but you can be that rigid in university because they all paid to be there. They all want to right. be there. They have already bought into the whole system. And if you want to come to university and waste and be on your phone in the class and waste your time or not even be in the class, it's your money. The professor is never really going to care as long as you're not disrupting the classroom, you know? So they've got, I, I can't imagine teaching in, a, in an environment like that, but that's what they see, you know? They see people on their phone doing what they're not supposed to be doing, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking you wanted to be here. Now, that wouldn't happen at Starkly Academy, of course. No. Because they don't have phones in the future. But yeah. no. And the thing. So is the but well, and also like there's like um, because I, I'm pretty sure Tuvok always puts that simulation, and they all that nobody ever wins that simulation unless no, because like, no one ever thinks to retreat. Right. So it's like a cool moment for Tuvok usually in that kind of it's environment. Like, gotcha. It's more yeah. like a gotcha moment. Yeah, yeah. Hi, but it's like that. you can't do that when the power in different the power balance is so right. is so extreme. Well, and also like you t- going back sort of to the self-expression thing like so when you do have a school environment like what you're talking about the k through 12 in the united states you there are these things that people do to get buy-in and Tuvok's not doing any of those things and some of them to me feel like they're pretty pie in the sky the idea that um the beginning of the school year the students and the teacher work together to come up with a set of class classroom rules, rules yeah 
I think that that's crazy. Maybe <laughs> check, check with me again in five or ten years, and maybe we're doing that. I don't know, but 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 I see what the idea is, right? Like you need the buy students, They need yeah. to bring their or own rules just, yeah, to the table. Anything that you can do to to let them, if it's not their own rules, then just their their own self expression. So you all you're like you were talking about before, like making it about them. You yeah, know? and that's definitely not what Tuvok's doing. But at the same time, it's kind of not what his his mandate was from Captain Janeway either. Right. It's like crash course in Starfleet behavior, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So they're all kind of learning the hard way that that's uh, a lot more difficult than than it would have seemed. Yeah. Tuvok is in the mess hall and he's uh, staring off into space. No pun intended. But- <laughs> I'm like, that's me on a Friday night. I'm like, this didn't go like I planned for it yeah, to go. Right. What uh, happened? <laughs> what, what do I need to do? Yeah. Yeah. And Neelix can tell he's got something on his mind. Neelix, he's like a good, he's got a good um, observational oh, yes. sense. He's like, well, you're sitting on the wrong side of the table. You don't have your drink or you're, you're not a little pad. Yeah. Little pad. Yeah. So I know something's up. Well, and, and I really like Neelix in this. This, I mm-hmm. love Neelix in this um, in this um, episode. Yeah, like, I don't... This Neelix can show up more than once. Like, he shows up twice, I think, in this mm-hmm. episode. He can show up more than once, right? Or yeah. more than twice. Like, but but to play this sort of a role of, yeah. like, quirky guy with his own weird sense of wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. And and he so he knows that, that Tuvok is uh, bothered by by the progress that he's not making with the Maquis trainees. Oh, real quick, I want to say that he was like, you have a little cloud of doom hanging yeah. over your face. And he's like, I have no visible emanations coming from my brain right. that allow you to interpret my mood. And you're like, oh my God. I could never, I could never emote. What are you talking about? Yeah. Wild assumptions. <laughs> and, he, and, and, and he's also like, my methods are sound. He's just so sure of himself. He's like, yeah. I know what I'm doing. You know, my methods are sound. Well, he's also taught for 16 years. Yeah. And but he thing, always but taught again, like a very specific type of student. And I know, and it's kind of surprising that he didn't realize that. Like, yeah. he, as a, as a logician or whatever, you would think, well, what are the, what are the variables, you know, and, and what's different in this situation versus my normal, um, teaching situation. Yeah. And he doesn't recognize that. I guess he just thinks he you should be able to break in any everyone the same way. Yeah. So he he um yeah, he says I insist on a strict adherence to the codes and protocols and I never waver from that approach. And then that's what, you know, kind of give Neelix, gives Neelix the idea. Um he takes Tuvok over to this plant that he just happens to have in the mess hall that is uh, most of the stems can only bend, they can't break. But They're all very flexible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But every once in a while, there's one that just cracks in half. And then Tuvok's like, ah, I see what you mean. The Maquis crewmen are inflexible. <laughs> and, and rigid. And like, no, Mr. Vulcan, you are. <laughs> so, um, and he says what you, and in and, and, and fairness to you, Angelina, you pointed this out, I think, the first time we watched it, you were like, well, they're not Starfleet ca- uh, cadets, like, and that's what Neelix points out here. Y- you know, these aren't Starfleet cadets, so they can't be treated the same way. Yeah, because the Starfleet cadets, they're going through the system and they're willing to do that because they believe in the cause. Right. They believe in Starfleet. They they're getting through this for their greater right. purpose. Right. And yeah. so, 
And Tuvok's like, well, I don't know if I can change my approach to these people. And in the midst of this little revelation uh, that's just occurred, Tuvok notices that Neelix has uh, got some cheese going in one of his <laughs> one of his pots or whatever. And, and is that when Neelix says, like, oh, yeah, crewman so-and-so or ensign so-and-so wanted some something called cheese. a grilled cheese sandwich or, so, or macaroni and cheese or mm-hmm. something, right? Yeah. And... Uh, Tuvok makes the connection. He sees the cheese, and then he sees a vent uh, above the cheese. Yeah, and the fact that he makes a connection between you know how cheese is made, yeah. which is it just cultivate bacteria. Cult- yeah, exactly. And so ah, we've got we've got a little uh, progress on the gel pack front. I leave it to uh, Tuvok Holmes <laughs> <laughs> to figure that out. And so then um, it's like a. It's like a crime scene at the kitchen. Now they, they, they skip ahead and it's almost like a crime scene. Uh, yeah, they're all looking at it and like it's apparently. Like Torres the, is there, Tuvok's there, and a bunch of other officers <laughs> with like tricorders. Uh, they're all looking at everything, yeah. yeah. And uh, he's like, the, the, like, the cheese, the, they've never seen such volatile bacteria spores before, before. And it went into the ventilation and it just infecting all the bioneural circuitry. And you're like, oh, you feel, I actually feel bad for Neelix. I'm like, oh. Oh. And Neelix genuinely and he feels, feels awful mm-hmm. about it. And you're like, oh, look, I like this he's Neelix. A, he's learning, like, humility. Yeah. yeah. The, like, Neelix from episode four would have been like, what kind of stupid ship is this that you can't make cheese on? I'm going to yeah. get my ship and leave. But, yeah. Yeah. Tori's is like, it's not your fault. Also, get this cheese to stick back. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's funny. It's goofy. It's... But it's also like realistic, like a little thing like that can break down an entire ship or whatever if you're not thinking, you know. Especially if you're running on bio neural (laughs) circuitry, right? Yeah, and I I think I like that about this episode. We didn't even mention really at the beginning. I guess we should have that. This is the season finale, so kudos to us for uh, making it through a whole season of um, episodes. Kudos to Voyager for keeping us around for that long. But uh, it, it's kind of interesting that this is the season finale. And you and I even yeah. mentioned that, like, oh, that's weird. And at first I chalked it up to, like, ah, 90s television is so crazy, you never know. But that's not that's not actually true. And, like, I was wrong to even think that. I mean, the 90s television was doing cliffhangers for almost, like, all shows by that point. Yeah. You know, it wasn't strictly, like, every episode um uh was sort of like self-contained you know other shows were doing it next generation had already been, been doing, doing it, it yeah Deep Space nine so that's how TV TV did work that way generally that you'd get a cliffhanger or some kind of a big episode at the end of the season I was reading about why this is the season finale and I could I don't quite understand it but it's just that they didn't this was never meant to be the season finale. And I think they um, thought they were going to have more episodes in the first season. They and did. they just didn't. Mm. And I don't know why that, why that works out the way it does. But anyway, I like this episode, even as a season finale or whatever. I don't care if it's a season finale, but I like the low stakes. It's high stakes, yeah, but it's, it's low stakes. stakes and it's yeah. a little goofy. And mm. cheese is like the culprit. Yeah. yeah it's it's cool. like, yeah. It's neat. Uh, so Tuvok on his, on his quest to, Get to know these uh, people on on Neelix's advice. 
He's in Tom's weird Par- Paris Marseille program, yeah. yeah. And they're playing pool, of course. I guess pool. I guess I always compare Voyager, especially the Next Generation, and I guess pool is going their to be poker. their poker. Yeah, that's okay. That's fine, I guess. And so he and Dolby are playing, and Tuvok's trying to make small talk, which is always going to be a terrible idea. Yeah. And Dolby is just kind of annoyed, suspicious. Why are we doing this? Like, he knows what's up. He's not stupid. Yeah. And um, Tuvok said, well, I thought I'd, you know, get to know, I thought we could get to know each other. And mm. Dolby's like, okay, well, um, he kind of gives his life story in a very gruff and short way. And then you feel like real bad for yeah, him. And yeah. And basically he says he fell in love with a woman. Well, he was, he was, he was, a, he was on the Bajoran frontier. He was a ruffian. He was always angry. Yeah. And then he fell in love with the woman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so she kind of like softened his heart. And he's not and, angry anymore. Yeah. But then some Cardassians crushed her skull. And raped her three. And, and raped her. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Which I was like, ooh. I yeah. mean, talk yeah. about. Like, Yikes. Over, again, he's. I guess that's what's up with people that probably have anger issues, though. Like, like he's he just goes like through the roof, like off yeah. anything. So he went way, way far on this one, yeah. and then he's like, "No, tell me about your life or whatever." And Tuvok's like, "Yeah, nothing nearly so like noteworthy or whatever." <laughs> so he's like, really he's like, he's like. Um, the, the nothing to report yeah. about them that would compare to your story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I write yeah. them all of two bucks lines because they're just so perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> and then Dolby goes on to talk about, you know, why he's protective of Garen, mm-hmm. uh, because they're so far from home and Garen is such a, a young person. Mm-hmm. And Tuvok explains why, you know, that Chakotay chose Garen thinking that uh, maybe if Garen would, like, master some skill on the ship and not just kind of be... Again, you, you were talking about the, the, the students that we teach generally, you know, they're very much like that. It just feels like... And they're all young people, too, and they're not expected yeah. to know what they're going to do with their life. No. But it just... They very much feel like, whatever, I'm just here. And I don't yeah. really have any, like, goals or ambitions... Other than just being here. And that's how Garen is. He's yeah. just like, oh, whatever, put me somewhere, I'll do something. Yeah. So they were hoping if they can like get him to yeah, set some goals. Accomplish the skill, goals. Accomplish some things. Then he'd feel that better would, by himself. Yeah. yeah. And so he's like, this is supposed to be a positive experience. For everyone. Yeah. And that's what he said. He was like, this is supposed to be positive for everyone. Yeah. Not just him. Like, for you two, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And Dolby says uh, he doesn't want to get to know Tuvok. He kind of blows up again. He's like, I don't want to mm-hmm. get to know Tuvok. I don't want to be your friend. You know, and then he storms out again. He leaves the holodeck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then uh, we go to Kess and the doctor in sick bay, and they're he, they're trying to figure out what's going on with the gel packs, and they're like, this this has systematically attacked every cell in the gel packs, like, and they can't find an antibacterial agent that works with it, um, and. Um, Janeway comes in and says all systems affected, and the but the doctor is at a loss. Like, yeah, uh, they're gonna keep trying, but like now it's dire. It's getting dire. Yeah, yeah. Um, lose the whole ship. And then they're like, it's so weird that this bacteria didn't show up in the, any of the scans on the ship, and they're trying to figure it out. How did it infect these gel packs? And then Kiss is like, a virus. Virus lives inside bacteria. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she came up with it, not the doctor. Yeah. I was like, oh, Kiss, you're growing so much as a person. Yeah, it shows like her. 
her level of skill. She's almost like what Garen could have been. Like, mm-hmm. Kess would come on the ship, bopped around a little bit, not had anything to do, but she decided, I want to learn medicine. Yeah. You know, I, I just made that comparison. But yeah, they're both, yeah. They're both young. They're both new on the ship. But mm-hmm. Kess is, like, making waves and is liable to be the doctor by the time the show ends or whatever. And Garen was on a trajectory to not be anything. Yeah. Yeah. And so then um, they're going to try the antiviral agents um, on the gel packs. I call them Power Team B. So Power Team A is uh, Gary Kim, Vlad Torres. Power Team B B. is Dr. and Kiss. I'm going to go to the drawing board on that one. Because I just don't... I like it, but I don't like that they're B. Uh, power team also? I like it because I... Well, I will just say I like them better than Kim and Tori. Uh, yeah, another power team? I don't know. Hmm. I'll have to think, I think of something. Medically related. Uh, medical power know. team? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, medical sure. power team. Medical Engineering power, power team. team. Medical <laughs> power team. <laughs> 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 the win. <laughs> Okay. Uh, was that it? You threw me off. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Now you go. You go with Tuvok and the Cadet. I felt like a like a blow to the stomach when you called them Power Team B. It's like, oh, not one A, A and one A. Back to the Cadets, and they're in the cargo bay doing some more training. You can kind of tell it's just like. They've fallen into this rut, and you're like, okay, whatever you want to, Buck. And, but there's another disruption in the midst of, of their training, mm-hmm. and they're stuck inside the cargo bay now. They can't get out, no. and is it here that they realize they can't really call out either? Not yet. Or not, not yet, yeah, but they can't get out at least, yeah. Mm-hmm. And back on the bridge, Kim is like, well, everything's going down, including life support, so now we do have high stakes, yeah. you know, as we come toward the end of the episode. Janeway uh, tells Torres to transfer all power to the life support, whatever you yeah. got that doesn't involve a gel pack or anything. And so back in the cargo bay, yeah, now the, now the mm-hmm. uh, uh, Maquis crewmen are like, well, we can't reach out to anybody either. No. Nobody knows necessarily that we're in here, and we can't call out to anybody. So then uh, they go back to the bridge, and that's where uh, was that when Janeway contacts the doctor? Um, no, they they just found out that the life support is failing in deck fifteen, and they've lost all power. That everything's they're oh, losing okay. it. Gravitational. They're going back and forth a lot, yeah, a lot. From, from here on out in the episode because it's yeah. almost like they had the A plot and the B because, plot, and, they're kind and now of they're converging. Yeah. yeah. So then they go back to the doctor and Cass in the sick bay. And they're going to, they decide to give the gel packs a fever, um, heating the samples. In a way that a, that a, a humanoid would fight off an infection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, um, it's, it's very promising is what they tell Janeway. And they say, um, they, but they don't have the heat to, uh, to, uh, wipe out the whole, uh, shipwide infection. So then Janeway go, comes to Torres and she's like, um, we need to get the heat up on the gel packs. And so, um, but they need to produce heat high enough. So I sent to infuse the gel packs, um, with the high energy plasma burst and to get it all done. They said they can do that by essentially keeping, keeping the ship where it's at. And then making the warp field go up to eighty percent without yeah. moving, yeah, and that's and going to get the heat, yeah. and hit the hit the gas pedal, make really. everything hot. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So Janeway's like, divert all power to the warp engines because they're going to try it. And while that's happening, the Maquis, they're still in the cargo bay. Now it's getting hotter. Mm-hmm. Now, is that because of the, the work that Taurus is doing with yeah. the warp nacelles? Yes. Okay. So yes. they're getting hotter. It's getting very uncomfortable in there. Tuvok's trying to keep everyone calm. And he's telling him not to let fear get the best of you. Right. Yeah. So he gives uh, Garen something to do. He, mm-hmm. There's a control panel. Um, up on the next level, I think, right? Yeah. And so he sends Garen up there to hopefully maybe he can get uh, to that control panel and either uh, fix their situation or maybe get out to somebody, right? Yes. And, uh, oh yeah, to try to open the doors yeah. and get them out of there. Yeah. Then they'll see if they can escape through a bulkhead. So they've done all that climbing mm-hmm. and we had that montage and it was, um, it wasn't completely Pointless, because they might have to do some more climbing. (laughs) Yeah. And um, from there, we go back to the bridge, and Janeway's uh, telling Taurus to go ahead and initiate that plasma Mm -hmm. burst, and hopefully that fixes everything. Mm -hmm. And then you end up back in Tuvok with the four cadets and... The cargo bay and um, the plasma um, gas is broken. Like, I mean, everything kind of exploded. The plasma gas um, has become toxic. And then they have to um, leave immediately. Now, what happened when, because uh, what they said when we they um, initiated the plasma burst. So when Taurus initiated the plasma burst, um, it was going to blow out some things. And so what happened was it blew out where Garen was. So now he's like passed out on the bridge. Mm. And um, they were they were truly in the wrong place Wrong time, yeah. and then the and then the plasma um, smoke that's coming gas that's coming out is toxic, so it's gonna fill that cargo bay up with toxic gas. So you have Garen up on the thing, everybody else um, is down here, and Tuvok is like, "You need to leave. We need everyone needs to leave." And they're like, "But what about Dolby? We can't just sacrifice him." And he's like. Everyone needs to go into the Jeffrey's tube. We can't sacrifice the many for the one. And or not Dolby, like, but uh, Garen, right? Garen was the one that was stuck yeah, yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, Garen was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Because Dolby's going to go back, back and then what does Tuvok say? And he's like... <laughs> I love He's that. like, I will break your arm. You need to go in the Tuvok. Go into the um, Tuvok was like, you need to go into the um, in like Jeffrey's the tube. Yeah. Yeah. And it reminded me of the episode Cathexis. And remember, like, Tuvok was, was doing all these, like, super, uh, like, rash things. But it, in that one, he was possessed by the, the alien entity. Yeah. But there was the one part where he just blasted everybody. everybody with a phaser. <laughs> and the first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, of course Tuvok would just do that. put everyone down with a phaser. And then it's like, yeah, because of this, yeah. Tuvok just told this guy, I'll break your arm right now. Get in there. Yeah. And then Dolby's like, I'll never forget this. Yeah. But then uh, Tuvok does cover, puts the cover up whole, and, and then he goes go to go rescue them. He just had yeah. to get everyone safe, basically, yeah. and not let them all be heroes, because then they all die. Exactly. It was just the Maki way to do something as inefficient as possible. If we die, we all die. Okay. All right. Sick Bay is like, everything works. It works. It's everything working. Works. I just remember seeing mm-hmm. Cass and she had like so, so much sweat. sweat. I, I, I literally saw a bead of sweat like coming off of her and it was kind of gross looking. Yeah. So they're going to get the, they're going to get the life support back on ASAP. And then we go back into the cargo bay and um 
Tuvok. Tuvok. Grabs, he actually gets a hold of Garen. Yeah. And he's pulling him. And he, well, he has him over his, his shoulder. shoulder. He's like fall, going down the stairs, but he doesn't he make it all make the way. It. And he he's collapses. Like, gets to yeah. him. He collapses, and then now they're both stuck in there, and they're gonna die. Um. And so then Sickbay finally, but everyone's passed out on the bridge. Sickbay finally comes over, and he like the doctor's the only one like totally fine. Yeah. He's all chipper. Everyone else is like dying. Yeah. And uh. He's like, come in. This is the doctor. Come in. Come in. And Jakote answers, and he's like, all infections have been destroyed. So all the and they they were past the problem of infection. And then Jane was like, Kim, put the symptoms back online. <laughs> back online. If you're still alive. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so the the rest of the ship's gonna be okay. But Tuvok and Garen, we don't know. Except <laughs> of course, the Maquis crew bust back in. To the cargo bay and pull out Tuvok and Garen and revive them. And Tuvok, of course, was like, or no, Dolby was like, called Tuvok out. He's like, oh, you know, I thought we don't sacrifice the the uh, few for the many or the many for the few or whatever. And then uh, he thought that going back for Garen was against Starfleet rules. And two locks, like, well, you know, basically, like, I've learned, you know, to be flexible, flexible. or whatever. But and, I think that's a lie, because I think two would have always done that. Like <laughs> but, but he just yeah. did that to, like, get brownie points with the, with the right. Mod P crew. There, I mean, there are some examples of two being, uh, a, like, a less extreme version of that. Like, like, he, when Tom, that when Tom Paris was up for murder. Yeah. And two was like, I don't let you go down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not trying to help you. Like that's like in that realm. Of, but we, yeah, we've never really seen Tuvok make a decision like that. Of like, well, they got to go. They got to die. Like, yeah, we've seen him stick around. He was desperate to help Janeway when they were when in time, time and again. again. Yeah. yeah, like we've seen that side of him. But you know, it, it all it was to get to the point of Dolby saying like, well, if you can learn to to uh, bend, bend some rules, rules, then we can learn to follow them. Ha ha ha! We're all best buddies. End of the show. We'll never see Dalby again. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Not, I don't know. We might. Will, but he will be, his face will be on a Vidian, a Vidian's body or whatever they're called. What did you think about this episode, my Sam? Uh, it, I'm, 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 I'm just totally happy with it. I'm totally, totally happy with it. I'll just jump into my my grade, which is like a B. A B. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a B. It's like... Um, Tuvok, you know, learn some things. It's a Tuvok episode. I like that a lot. Like I said before, I like that the the plot revolved around something as as mundane as you know cheese. Mm-hmm. But that's like a thing that could really happen. You hear about that kind of stuff all the time. So um, yeah, I I was totally happy with this episode, and it also dealt with the thing that you know I I think is always kind of lingering out there, and and the hook of the show. Really, I think to me, when I originally was watching it in the 90s, you know, and I've forgotten so much about anything that I ever saw, but I do remember what I cared about wasn't that they were in the Delta Quadrant. I cared about it was a Maquis crew and a Starfleet crew mixing together. And so anytime they deal with that, I'm for it. So, yeah, good uh, good episode, a good uh, B. Oh, okay. Yeah. What what about you? Um, well, I really I did like it too. Um, it was it was pretty good. I didn't like it for a season finale. I'm opposite mm. of you. I wanted to see Blanche Torres. I want to see Harry Kim. I want to see Tom Paris. Uh, 
Um, we got some, we got an awesome Chicote scene, but I will say, as far as the season goes, we need more Chicote. <laughs> That's true. Fix that, you can. Fix that, you can. More Chicote, because every time his scenes are awesome, he's awesome. I love him, and we never see but him. But maybe that's the thing. Maybe he's got this mystique because he's not In overexposed. There. Yeah. Maybe. The same know, amount of Chicote in season two of UPN, but not less Chicote. But not less Chicote. That's for sure. Um, so we got some Chicote, we got Janeway, we got Tuvok. Mm-hmm. But then we got everybody else kind of replaced with these four cadets that I do feel we will never see again. <laughs> was Tom Paris even in this episode? He, yes, his he said. Was. His cafe was. He said a bunch of lines when they were, you know, taking things offline and moving them to warp and all doing the, all that stuff. All the lines. He got all of Durst's lines. Yeah, pretty much he got all the technical techno babble lines and that was like legitimately it um so yeah they didn't like we got like one little power team but even then like carrie kim mm. was an asshole he was an a-hole to chill <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah he was like oh good luck with that i don't remember what he said but it was asshole you're like wait <laughs> why are you gonna go dump on someone when they're like sitting there scrubbing the floor like that's terrible <laughs> Yeah, Harry Kim was like a golden boy. Yeah, you can tell. Like, I never had anything. Like yeah, you're like, yeah. Oh, shut up, Harry Kim. I'm already sitting in <laughs> command meetings. I'm, I'm already the star of a television show. Um, so I like for a season finale, I want to see a lot more. We saw a little bit of Kesson, the Doctor, but overall, like I, we, I mean, the whole the whole thing was the the, the four cadets. Which, I mean, what is interesting, I do like the Maquis situation, and it did bring up, I mean, no, I've never related more to a character in Star Trek Voyager than I did a Tuvok when, like... Oh, yeah. Especially that scene where he was, like, staring out that window, and he was like, what, what went wrong? Right. <laughs> I'm like, boy, have I been there. I've been right. There. I'm, like, there, like, once a week. <laughs> well, I fear it because I feel like, I feel like I'm pretty on point with that kind of stuff mm-hmm. as far as as far as our job goes but no I'm, I'm just talking about like in general oh, like no, lessons I'm, or oh, whatever you yeah. know well yeah I'm, I'm worried about like because I've, I've I haven't been doing it for very long so I'm like hey everything worked out just great this year I got no problems but then it's like how do I know next year is not going to be the same way and yeah. then I'm like and I'll be like Tuvok and like what this did I last do wrong year. exactly yeah <laughs> but it, it's like you know I'll remember this episode you have to adjust you have to be flexible you can't be like yeah. the one flower that Neelix pulled out of the Every of the every pot. class yeah. is legitimately different. Different, yeah. It's so always can't different. Be rigid, yeah. yeah. You can't. And then it's like that everywhere with everything. Any yeah. especially anytime you're dealing with a, a group of dynamic people, yeah. Everything, yeah. Yeah, it is always different. So like I like that aspect of it. Um so but it didn't have enough of my characters that I wanted to oh. see. But it did yeah, give me Neelix, and it's like a new and improved Neelix from last <laughs> year. See, in the, from last episode to this episode, I'm like, keep going with the Neelix because they are changing that character in such a way that I do really like him. Neelix. No, Neelix. <laughs> so, anyways, I'm going to give it a B minus. I'm going to give it an 84%, almost a B, but not a B because, um, especially for a season finale, like, Especially since we're still learning these characters, I'd rather be, I'd rather see like the original crew, I guess. That's what I'd give it. (laughs) Yeah, I was close to B minus two. I was like, yeah, there wasn't anything. It wasn't, it didn't 
knocked my socks off, but it wasn't anything mm. bad about it. Yeah. And sometimes that happens on Voyager. Well, and I like that. Ninety yeah. percent really good, but the ten percent is like cringe. You yeah. Know? I also like the cheese was the culprit. I thought that was good. Exactly. Yeah. Cheese is one last villain for the season. A lot of good cheese. villains, but none none worse than cheese. <laughs> You want to get into these yes these awards? awards? So yes. maybe we'll make a habit of this every after every season. Yeah, we did have I suspect is like an abbreviated season for season yeah. one, right? Yeah. We probably started in January, so or they did start in like January of that mm-hmm. year. So they ended the season in May, mm-hmm. and um, but yeah, maybe every every uh, every end of the season we'll do this. Mm-hmm. Okay. For the first award, we're going to give out the best actor on Star Trek Voyager in season one. And so this is strictly the actor, not the character that they play, Mm -mm. just the performance of the actor. And we are, of course, experts when it comes to judging people's... (laughs) Grading people acting acting. (laughs) abilities. Um, Do you want to go first on this? Uh, Sure, I'll go first on this one. So we're going to do a runner-up, right? Oh, I didn't know we could do a runner-up. Oh, that, I thought we were, yeah, I thought we were doing one runner-up and one... I'll do a runner-up, Okay, fine. yeah, I don't want to put you on the spot, but, you uh-huh. know, it's kind of like, we're just winging here now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, for, originally, my, my runner-up is going to be, um... <laughs> oh, I don't know... I think I know their name. I'll, I'll, I'll okay. pretty sure. The actor who played the doctor... Robert Picardo. Yeah, Robert Picardo. Number one, he has excellent comedic timing. Boy, is he funny. He is just the funniest. And everything he always kills. He always kills. But he also has such humanity and, like, it really comes through. And, like, it's always in, like, this weird swagger. Like, he's very nuanced with everything that's given to him. And mostly he's, like, a side character. And mostly he does play comedy. And But, again, he, he plays excellent comedic timing. But... Just to make the well-roundedness of his whole character. And, like, that is, a, like, playing not quite a human would be really difficult to do. Mm. Um, and he does it so well. Like, he does it so well. Um, so, he is my runner-up. You should see him in uh, no. inner space. No, I will not. <laughs> I refuse him. <laughs> You're not that big of a fan, then. <laughs> And then for my actual favorite character, it's got to be Kate Mulgrew. I mean, come on, Catherine. Actor, favorite actor? Yeah. Okay. Kate Mulgrew. That's yeah. Her, yeah, Kate Mulgrew. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, we literally have an Emmy for Kate Mulgrew, and she's had it like at least three times. And um, she she kills it, kills it every time. She plays like a desperate leader so well. Mm-hmm. Like she does it so well, and like hanging on by a thread when she has to do those scenes. She brings it. She 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 brings it. So, all right, good job. <laughs> she might win it every single yeah, year, she right? Might, I mean, yeah. someone's gonna. And these are all good performances by everybody. But yeah. it's almost like she's like next level. Yeah, she really is. And yeah. it always well. Okay, I'll go. I'll say my part about her. I don't want to brag on her too much. Uh, <laughs> she might not be my best actor, but <laughs> I think I just gave that away. <laughs> okay, my runner-up is. She portrays Belana Torres. Oh, yes. Roxanne Biggs Dawson. Uh-huh. And just because of the, um, it's almost a lot like what you were talking about with the doctor, only the, the, 
so the the some playing someone who's not fully human. Yeah, you know, she's, she's got that side of her, just like the doctor is a hologram. And then instead of the comedic stuff with her, it's the angst with her. Yeah. And it never comes off as bratty. It never comes off Mm -hmm. as, you know, immature. (laughs) She's very, she handles that all very well. It's a lot of uh, um, emotions in her and a lot of baggage with her. But Mm -hmm. it's never, a a character like that normally to me might be obnoxious. Mm -hmm. But the way she plays it, it's not, it's cool. And sometimes she's like, the she she's the bigger person, right? Sometimes she's the adult in the room, like with today with Dolby. Yeah. And well, if you think you can do it, just do it. Yeah. Stop, stop crying about it. You know, like yeah. So yeah, but then other times she's vulnerable. You know, so I I like that. But my best actor is Kate Mulgrew. Yeah. Also. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. There we go. Um. Um. And when I was, everything you said is true, and then some, and then I always come back to the idea that she wasn't even the original captain, and they yeah. had shot scenes, or the original actress to play the captain, and then they had shot scenes even, and it wasn't Kate Mulgrew. Yeah. And then they're like, we need a captain, and they call her up, and you get like, like, you like hit the lottery, you know? Right. Yeah. That was, that's, that's always amazing to me. And to me... You know, she's she's memorable. She's a highlight every time she's on there. Yeah. So, yeah. Emmy for Kate Mulgrew. Emmy for Kate Mulgrew. Exactly. Our next category is Best Character on Star Trek Voyager Season 1. I'll go ahead and I'll start that one. Is yes. that all right? Okay. Yes, My runner-up? Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> Bilana Torres. Uh- <laughs> For all the reasons I was talking about with the way that the actress portrays her, just I like that character. Mm-hmm. She's got a lot of. There's still a, a thousand more stories they could tell with Bellana Torres. They already went to the splitter up Klingon <laughs> human half. They already went to that well, so we won't do that one anymore. But there's still so many other things. She's given us little little crumbs about her background and you know her upbringing and her childhood and then she joined the maquis she wanted to be in starfleet she punched a guy in the nose and then took his job (laughs) (laughs) all of that stuff so uh the lot of tours all the way well not all the way though because the doctor oh your favorite favorite character character. wow (laughs) there has been the the worst scene of the doctor was the one the awkward one from Jatrell where Neelix no 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 not from Jatrell from um Cathexis where they had to be like well Kess isn't that bad of a coma (laughs) after he just like clowned on Neelix but um that was still like yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a highlight, you know, probably for all the reasons of, of why you gave the actor the runner-up award, is yeah. why I give the character the best character award. He's just funny, but he's got things, too, you know? He's got issues, and, and um, he's got an arc that he's going through, and we've already seen a lot of progress with it. So, my mm-hmm. best character is the Doctor. Oh. Wow, okay. Um, so my fav- my runner-up for favorite character is Chakotay. I love Chakotay. I love him so much. Everything about him, he's just so cool. Mm-hmm. He is literally the coolest. I don't think there's anyone cooler in like the whole Star Trek. Wow. Maybe Captain Kirk, but like nobody is as cool as Chakotay. Captain like, Picard's not cooler than Chakotay? No, Captain Picard's a lot of things, but not cooler than Chakotay. I'm, I'm hurt. 
hurt in the way that I was hurt by Power Team B. <laughs> no, just like Ezra is like effortlessly cool. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have, Not yeah. like the best character, but like effortlessly cool. Right. Being, there hasn't really been a premium on being cool on no, Star Trek. No, Star Trek. Yeah, no one cares <laughs> so about being cool. So yeah, he's, yeah. yeah, I think you're right. He's like the Fonz of Star Trek. Yes, he really is. Yeah. It's because he was Bucky. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he is like, he's just the coolest. And like, I mean, even this episode, he just punched out a guy. Like, awesome. You're like. And almost like in. If it's ever justifiable to punch someone in the face, like, yeah, that it's not self defense, like, he found the way, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he does this, like, little professor Chakotay stuff, and yeah. like, I mean, and then Janeway's so taken with him, which also helps, like, you know, it's it's, true. he's like worldly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's so cool, he's just cool, and I hope that he's in a lot more um episodes in next next season, but yeah, yeah, we gotta flesh him out a little bit more. Yes. Okay. So, uh, but because he was in so few and we didn't really know anything about him, um, of course, my favorite character is Balana Torres. Ah, look at <laughs> I love so Balana Torres. Yes. Wow. I love Balana Torres. Like, I, I guess she is the character I relate to the most on Voyager. And, like, uh, yeah, everything about her. Like, I, like, they, they really worked on her backstory a lot. And you understand where she's coming from. And she's just so competent. Give me a competent person. Like, I love competency. Like, believe me, the things that I love are competency. Like, nothing's hotter than competency. <laughs> like, it, at all. Like, I love competency. And um, so, competency, she's super competent. She knows her stuff. She's an awesome engineer. She's got a great brain. Like, I just, everything about her is awesome. She's just really, really good. I think it is funny that both of your favorite characters are the Maki. Characters, uh, the, the main mm. Maquis characters. <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah, give me competency <laughs> and and inefficient rebellion all day, all day long. Yeah. That's that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so those are our best characters. Um, now our next award, and we'll need to explain this a little bit. Best relationship on season one. So relationship doesn't have to be romantic. No. A relationship can just be a friendship. Mentor-mentee. Um, yeah, exactly. A working relationship. Just anytime we see two people on screen, you know, you're like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we'll let you start off on this one here. Okay. Well, my first relation, my, my runner-up is actually the power team. Like, it grew on me. I love Harry Kim Blatoris. Like, who thought? Like, I mean, uh, if I could have three, because it would be Harry Kim Tom Paris is like the bronze. But oh, okay, um, yeah. Harry Kim, Bilana Torres, um, Power Team. I love that. Like they're little established early on in the series. Yeah, too. starting in yeah. Caretaker. Starting yeah. with the Caretaker. Slowly, it grew on me. It grew on me. It grew on me. I mean, even in this episode, they're the Power Team trying to figure out the bioneural circuitry, and I just like it. They work well together. Like there's like a friendship. Like it's it's a nice little thing. I like it. Um, but. Um, Power Team B beat them out wow. because Kes and the Doctor are my favorite. I love their relationship. I love it so much. And, like, I love how much, like, Kes has grown because of the Doctor and the Doctor has grown because of Kes. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a little something every episode with them, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. I really like their relationship. Well, my runner-up is... Captain Janeway and Tuvok. Oh, yeah. That's, good. that's a good one. That's that's one where I, I just like that they gave them that pre-existing 
relationship, yeah. you know, from the start of the show, and that's another one they're just kind of drawing out for us a little bit at a time, you know, little things that have happened to them, but but they both need that, like, Tuvok, or Janeway needs a, a confidant, you know, and, yeah. and Tuvok, I think, needs, like, something to sort of, I, I won't say, just to give him more, um, that we can empathize with him in a, in a way, you know, that he's not... He, he's not just totally, he'd be totally alien to everyone else on the ship because they probably don't trust him very much because he's the security chief and all that. But since, like, he's almost, like, got Janeway's seal of approval or whatever. So, yeah. Um, so as a character, I think that helps him. So that's my uh, runner-up, but my best relationship is what I will not call Power Team B... <laughs> But yes, Kes and the Doctor is the best relationship on the show. Um, is that our first? No, that's our second repeat. Wow. Yeah, it's like, second yeah. Repeat. Um, but yeah, it's like, and I do like, like I was saying before, they, they, every episode with them, there's just one more little thing with them. Yeah. You know, they went from, the, he didn't even know they were on the ship. Remember yeah. that? When they were like, dude. They're, who are you people? Like, why are your records in the database? Like, oh, we're stowaways, essentially. And there's a Maquis ship, too. There's a whole other crew on this ship? Yeah. To now, like, he's her mentor. Yeah. She's his, like, emotional support. You yeah. know, a hologram. And here's to them getting together. In the future. Uh, I, I guess I'm shipping them. Yeah, you are shipping them. Even if it just stays as this relationship, this is, it's like, a, fantastic. It's a great I, love, I love when they're on yeah. the screen together. Yes. Our next category is a lot, lot of options to choose from here because this is the best scene in Star Trek Voyager Season 1. And we had a, for my runner-up, a, uh, it just made it under the gun. Chakotay punches Dolby. <laughs> we already described what happened in that scene. We already talked about how cool it was. Yeah. I don't need to go on, but uh, but yeah, good job for squeezing that one in there right at the right at the last second there. Uh, but my best scene of the whole season was which episode was this? Um, Prime factors. Prime factors. Yeah. Prime factors. Yeah. Where Tuvok is Janeway and Tuvok, mm-hmm. and uh, where Tuvok um, tried to get a hold of the. Matrix. Yeah, what is that alien species called? Oh, anyway. the wait, the not the. Good on you if you can do that. Oh, I don't Dang, no. we're failed. Yeah, anyway. we're not even gonna do a season two. Uh, no, we, don't, we are. We don't we deserve are. it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that species that could transport uh, light years away, and he basically made the decision that Janeway couldn't bring herself to make because of her Starfleet ideals. And, um, she kind of, she was hurt. She, she did what she, she did to earn her Emmy as far as we're concerned, where she portrayed hurt, you know, betrayal. Um, but also like gratitude in a way, because again, Tuvok went against her orders to do something that, she probably that he knew that she couldn't have done. It's just a very compelling scene with those two. Yes. And so it's my scene of the season. 
Yes. Um, okay, so my my uh, runner-up is the scene in uh, the episode two with Chakotay and Janeway where he's not going to be her token Maquis. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. And it, it takes it all the way back there. Like, yeah. I loved it. I love the frustration on both ends. I love, like, the miscommunication. I love them, like, arguing about it. Like, it was very intense and, like, they both, like, had their points of view and it got me really emotionally invested and that's what got me emotionally invested in the whole show. So, um, I'm going to give that one, but that is just a runner up because, um, my, of course, my favorite scene is the same exact scene as <laughs> Sam's from Prime Factor and it was the Sicarians. Oh, yeah, I just looked it up to you. No, I wasn't going to. You weren't going to. You weren't letting it go. I was kind of surprised you weren't letting it go. The yes. Sicarians. The yeah. So they went and they, they took the Sicarians. Um, they, uh, they, uh, Tuvok and the whole ship mutinied against poor Janeway and like at that point like you've always kind of knew that she was in a desperate situation but man did you feel it and like the betrayal of Tuvok like was it and like she played that so incredible Emmy for Kate Mulgrew Emmy for Kate Mulgrew but I just love that it was like it was one of the few like dramatic like one character didn't have the higher ground than the other one Mm -hmm. like that's why it's like a fantastic episode a fantastic quandary that the writers put the characters in that leads to that scene that leads to such a complex scene and it was all emotional weight yeah yeah. Very good job. It was fantastic. Well, let's see if we can... I got a feeling we're going to end the awards with the same winner. And this is the award for... Oh, maybe not. Just judging by the look on your face. The best episode? Oh! Season one? <laughs> oh, no. The, the judges forgot to vote on best episode of season one. <laughs> I will Why don't bam, you go first? I will bam <laughs> scramble and um, just don't steal mine. Just uh, don't copy my answers, okay? All right. Okay. So my um, my runner up, and, and to honestly, these weren't even difficult for me to choose, which is why I thought, well, maybe maybe you'd have the same ones, and if, you might legitimately have the same one. Awesome. My runner up is Eye of the Needle. Oh yeah, that's with good. Romulan. Is able to communicate with them through Harry Kim's tiny wormhole, and <laughs> um, they try to get a message back home. They uh, try to get back home, and it all falls apart in the way that most Voyager episodes <laughs> do for the crew. And but then this one is just really neat, and it's a very creative way to get the Romulans onto the show. Sometimes I think they do that. Um, I, even in this episode we talked about today learning curve i feel like when you they 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 show klingon or they show um the romulan or they show uh like what was it the ferengi ship and the romulan warbirds in this episode and i i can just see them doing it almost like they 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 make like dialogue for the trailer in like a movie yeah like they made scenes for like the next week preview at the time and like well, how the hell are the Romulans there? <laughs> and then, like, you find out when you watch the episode, that's ah, a holiday. But, um, anyway, that was a real Romulan on Voyager. He just wasn't from when Voyager was from, and that was the problem. So that's a fantastic episode. But my, my winner for best episode of season one 
an early episode, a very early episode, but not the earliest episode. Do I need to stall anymore? No. Okay. Parallax. That's okay. <laughs> Parallax was awesome. And right out the gate, you know, and it's, it, those are, I think those are my favorite kind of Star Trek episodes. Just weird things happen in the space. We can't explain it and we can't figure out how to escape it. And we got to put our brains together and do it. And then that episode also had the Maquis. Uh, well, that's that's where your favorite scene mm-hmm. came from, right? Yeah, yeah, and that, or you, that, that was your runner-up, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The Maquis Starfleet interplay. So Parallax was a fantastic. Now I don't know if that jibes with my grades, and yeah. yours may not jive with your grades either. But you know, hindsight and you all think that. About it, yeah. yeah, and that was a that was the um, the high point of what I would call a very successful. First season for Voyager. Yes. Um, Okay, so I guess my favorite episode correlates with my favorite scenes because my runner-up is Prime Factors. Like, I love Prime Factors. I really love Prime Factors. And what I liked the most about Prime Factors was the gray area and the fact that mutiny legitimately happened on her ship and just everybody's points of view. I agreed with everybody's points of view, including the Sakaar that had Sakarian's Uh point of view. Like there was no good answers. There was no good anything. And it was fascinating. Mm -hmm. Absolutely fascinating. What you, and it's kind of how you would behave if you were in that kind of a desperate situation. Like what, I mean, everything about it was fantastic. Um, so, and I didn't mind the Sakarians. <laughs> yeah, 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 I remember that guy. Labrum or whatever his yeah. name was. He was a little, he was a little off-putting, but. Yeah, he was, but I think he was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, fascinating. That was, that was good Star Trek. The, if you talk about, like, ethical quandaries and points of view, that was good oh, yeah. Star Trek. Yeah. Um, prime factors. Um, <laughs> But, of course, my also my number one episode was Parallax as well. Ah. It was just really good. I love the Maquis. Give me a good Maquis um, uh, episode yeah. where you focus on the Maquis and focus on the plight of the Maquis. Because, I mean, really, it is true. Like, most of those people are on that ship, um, you know, and they don't necessarily want to be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It is like a... A military vessel captures a pirate ship, and then they get stranded on an island. And what are you going? How are you going? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to. uh, You want to? Okay. At the beginning of this season, we. I'm definitely putting you on the spot here. At the beginning of the season, we we talked briefly about um, what do we think is going to happen to the characters in the show because we don't know. Let's revisit that for a moment. So, A, do you think just any part of the ship gets back to the Alpha Quadrant? Any any member of the crew? We, I think they're going to go have into... to. Yeah, I think they're going to have to go back. Oh, okay. You can't have a whole episode where they don't, or a season, like, series, and they don't go back. I think you could. I don't think they will, but you could. And that would be its own thing. I think mm-hmm. you can do it in a way that's like, you know what? We start like if there's no hope of getting back for some reason, but then Janeway, Kate Mulgrew gives an awesome speech, and she's like, she's like, 
we didn't sign on to be comfortable. We didn't sign on to do anything but explore. And and that's what the universe has in store for us. But no, yeah, I, I agree. They're going to get back home. At some point between now and whenever this show ends. But now the question that I'll put to you again is, does everyone make it? You're saying someone makes it. But does everyone make it? And if not everyone, then who does not make it? I think my original idea still stands. I just can't picture Kes and Neelix back in the okay. Alpha Quadrant. So okay. I think everybody except for Kes and Neelix makes it back. See, I don't remember what I said originally, but I can see them back there. And especially now with Kes, like... So integrated she, into yeah, the ship. She'll, yeah. be, she'll be an old lady by the time... She'll be an old seven-year-old or nine-year-old or whatever by the time they get back home. Yeah. But um, she'll be old for her. But she, yeah, because now she's got something to offer. Um, Neelix is coming around. So I, I don't remember what I said originally, but right now I think everyone. No, I'm going to. That's boring. I'm going to say everyone but Tom Paris makes it back. Oh, yeah. poor Tom Paris. Everyone but Tom. Tom Paris has to sacrifice himself. Mm-hmm. Okay. For the good of his wife, Bellana Tori. No, <laughs> now, now I'm just writing fan fiction. Um, I will say that's pretty uh, bold saying that when uh, he is the pilot of the ship. <laughs> <laughs> How are they going to make it back without the pilot of the oh, ship? Oh, man. Chakotay piloted the ship for a while. He showed, he showed Janeway some new tricks. Or that was also a good mm-hmm. scene. If Tom Paris has the white Bellana Torres, it can only be the human Bellana Torres, not like <laughs> the awesome half Klingon, half human Bellana Torres. Now I'm definitely writing. I don't even know if this is fan fiction anymore because Harry Kim marries the Klingon Bellana <laughs> no, Lieutenant Carey. Oh, show. no. Yeah, he, like, he, likes it. he likes it when she gets rough. No. We got to go. We, we got to stop. Yeah, sorry. Okay. <laughs> We're not talking about anything anymore. <laughs> nonsense. Just nonsense. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Tell us what your favorites are. Um, on Twitter using the hashtag Displaced in Space. Our Twitter handle is at DisplacedCast. You can also find um, us on Instagram and and on Facebook at Displaced in Space Podcast or email us. Please email us um, your favorites um, and what you thought um, at DisplacedInSpacePodcast at gmail.com. All of this and more can be found on our website, DisplacedInSpace.com. And if you'd like to make the podcast Better and stronger as we head into season two. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find links to Venmo and PayPal on our website. And finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to subscribe, leave a review wherever you're listening, and tell a friend. Until next time, podcast, podcast out. out.